Welcome to the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 64. We publish monthly with a new episode posting on the second Wednesday of each month. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com, where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon. Although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the highest quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. This episode is on my 30 years of friendship and unique experiences with the man like Sasha. Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with Sasha. When I first heard Sasha's name, I had no idea who he was. It was 1992 and I was in Glasgow, Scotland on vacation. I had scoped out all of the club action around town and had earmarked the gig Sasha was DJing. Not because I knew who he was, but because it was an all-nighter and in those days, the longer the hours of an event, the more into it I was. I showed up at Tunnel, which was the club the all-nighter was happening, and I had no idea what I was in for. The music was unlike anything I had heard before. I had no words to describe it, no reference points, no prior experiences that I could pin it to. It was a brand new experience for me and it went on for hours. My only panic was that it would eventually end. I found my file facts from that year and for that night it says, went to tunnel for the bass heads and the very unbelievable Sasha. It also says that I went to Loch Lomond after with a Scottish friend from Los Angeles. I remember that being an amazing way to end the experience in a stunning natural setting with that ridiculously beautiful lake. But before we went to Loch Lomond, when the club was ending, I ran toward the DJ booth and catapulted over it. I don't know how, I'm not the least bit athletic. And it was like Sasha and I were already in the middle of a conversation where we were in complete agreement with each other. He had seen my reaction on the dance floor while he was DJing, and he told me I needed to come to the club where he was resident every Saturday. He said that was his place and his crowd and that I would love it. The club was Renaissance and Mansfield outside Nottingham in the middle of England. It too went all night. I told Sasha I would be there the following week. I did some researching and saw there was a bus or as they call it over there, a coach that was taking people from some pub with the word queen in it over to Renaissance. I assumed this pub was in Nottingham, so I went to Nottingham and booked myself into a pub with the word queen in it. And then I went in search for this coach that was going to take me to Renaissance. I asked around, but no one knew what the hell I was talking about. Then I realized the pub was actually in Leeds, an entirely different city in the north of England. So I got into a cab and told the driver to take me to Mansfield where Renaissance was. No shade to the cabs in the UK, but it was not the safest thing to do. To go out into the dark English countryside in the middle of the night without anyone knowing where I was. But the driver was very careful with me and didn't leave until he was sure I was okay. The line to get into Renaissance was ridiculously long. I went straight to the front and said Sasha had told me to come. 
Of course, no one's expecting an American girl to show up at this place. And they put me with Jeff Oaks, who just happened to be the promoter of the club. Jeff ushered me in and I went exploring this huge venue. It goes without saying that everyone was on the most drugs, as was to be expected. And, as always, I was completely sober and already so exhausted having come from Glasgow to Nottingham to Mansfield. Sasha wasn't on yet, so I went to a different room and just sat on the floor, put my head on my knees, and took a nap. A guy shook me awake to make sure I was okay, and we ended up talking a bunch. The guy, whose name is Tim, is still my very good friend to this day. Later, when Sasha was DJing, Tim saw me dancing on a podium and couldn't believe I went from comatose to dancing all night. Sasha was right. I did love it. Sasha at Renaissance was a singular experience. I remember every track he played. Some of them I did recognize, but they had never sounded as good or perfectly placed as they did when he played them, including the Andrew Weatherall remix of Future Sound of London's Papua New Guinea. As I mentioned in episode 39, the Andrew Weatherall episode, it felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. I didn't want the night to end, but it did, and very abruptly. The music just stopped, and before the club was supposed to close. The DJ booth was in a balcony-type location, which you would reach by climbing a ladder. I climbed that ladder to see what the hell was going on, and Sasha was flat on the ground mumbling, it's too strong. That pissed me off so much, but there was nothing I could do about it. Tim and his friends took me back to one of their houses and I stayed with them a little bit before leaving to go back to Glasgow. And that night I met Andrew Weatherall, which as I said, has his own episode. I went back to Renaissance the following week, even though Sasha had told me he wasn't going to be there. In fact, he was going to be in Los Angeles, which was unfortunate timing. Renaissance without Sasha was totally pointless. It would have been a waste of time, except that Tim was there again and we hung out some more. I feel that second session really cemented our friendship, so it was worth it, even without Sasha. What Sasha was doing with his DJing felt like it was developing a secret tribe, but it really wasn't. I learned from Pez of DIY, who also have their own episode of this podcast, that before Renaissance, Sasha held it down at a club called Shelley's in Stoke-on-Trent. The same impact Sasha had on me and everyone at Renaissance, he started a couple of years before at Shelley's. His reputation had made it stateside and he came here again in May of 1993. That trip, he was only in San Francisco. We went up there to see him and that was the infamous night he and Jeff Oaks, who had come out with him, both shaved their heads. Sasha was known for his shoulder-length locks, which, granted, every English guy had in the early 90s. The signature style Sasha had at the time, which was slowly starting to be called Progressive House, was adopted by our own DJ Taylor in Los Angeles. Every week, Taylor DJed a party called King that started at midnight or maybe 2 a.m., and we would continue to an after-hours called Sketchpad, which began at noon on Sunday. Taylor would DJ at Sketchpad as well, playing pretty much the same set as King, which was very informed by what Sasha did, but we just couldn't get enough of it. According to my 1993 file of facts, I was at those parties every single week. Sasha's ascent was quite steep. He was on the cover of Mixmag, our dance music bible, in February of 1994 with the cover tag, Sasha, son of God, with a question mark. As much of an impact as Sasha has on people, he's not the least bit egotistical and this kind of attention really didn't sit well with him. Sasha made it on the cover of Mixmag a few more times as well as many other magazines, but without the same kind of drama. 
The mix CDs Sasha did with John Digweed, Renaissance, and Northern Exposure were huge sellers and standard setters in the compilation space. They went from the English countryside to being residents at Manhattan's Twilo. They did a bus tour of North America called Delta Heavy in 2002, which at the time was unheard of. As is always the case with music styles, they change and go out of fashion and new genres replace them. What Sasha started, which as I said was called Progressive House, turned into trance, which became very big and then turned on itself and became a bad word. The thing is, even though he might have been at the forefront of it, Sasha has always been a separate entity from any style that he was instrumental in shaping. By the mid-90s, it was very clear that the Sasha-shaped space that he had created with whatever records he chose to play was going to evolve, but it would also always only ever fit him. The scenes and styles that got created from Sasha's radiations didn't actually include him. When you went to see him DJ, which I did in so many different venues over so many years, it was always life-affirming, it always made me feel like I got a much-needed reset. This was particularly true in December of 1998. That whole year I was having a bad time of it with Saturn's return, which I went into exclusively on episode 57, the optical episode. By the end of that year, I had pretty much given up hope that I would ever feel like myself again. Then I went to Sasha's gig with John Digweed at the Avalon in December. I was in the DJ booth the whole night, another all-nighter with Sasha, and by the morning, I actually felt like I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I left that club feeling more like my old self than I had all year, and it gave me so much hope. It was a great way to end 1998 and a positive way to look toward 1999. A couple of years later, when I was as close to being back to myself as I ever was going to be, I was with Darren Emerson, who had a massive hit with Sasha and their song Scorchio. Darren told me that he and Sasha both went through the same Saturn's return downturn I did, at the same time I did, and that they created Scorchio to help them feel like they used to. It helped me a lot to hear that, even though it was after the fact, because then, at least I wasn't the only one who had gone through this strange and disorienting time that affected my mental state so much. I interviewed Sasha for Remix Magazine's July 2004 cover at the time of his album Involver. We talked for a long time, not just about the album, but about where he was in his life and how that fed into the creation of that album, which is a collection of remixes from him, one of which got him a Grammy nomination. One of the things Sasha told me for that remix interview was, even though DJs are playing other people's records, it's the way you play it, the records you choose, the way you drop records, the way you program it, and your style. That's what it's about. That sounds obvious, but it's definitely something I feel Sasha takes to heart every time he steps behind the decks. Similarly, his original productions, his remixes, his label, his parties, his Last Night on Earth brand, which he's had for a while now, his approach to everything is with a high level of thoughtfulness resulting in a superior product. That is really why Sasha is always in fashion and why he stands the test of time. He's as relevant and in demand in 2022 as he was in 1992, only 30 years stronger. I have to come back to saying that I have never experienced any ego from Sasha. He's always been super friendly and super sweet. He includes me in dinner invitations and after parties. He introduces me as an old friend and gives me as much of his time as I want. I remember being at dinner with him and him asking me about new music. We talked at length about what was on my radar then, and he had his assistant email me so I could send him a list as Sasha had tasked him to go to the Virgin Megastore in New York, where he was living at the time, to purchase everything on my list. Sasha's sister Sean lived in Los Angeles for a while and it was really nice having her around as they look so much alike. 
It was like a piece of him here. Plus, she's a lovely person. Although when Sasha lived in LA briefly, he was clear across town and I rarely saw him. I know everyone puts their best life on Instagram, which is not usually a genuine indication of what's happening with them. But I love seeing Sasha's wife Zoe's posts as whenever I spy him in her photos, he looks incredibly happy, which is what he deserves. That's my snapshot of some of my experiences with Sasha, whom I haven't seen or been in touch with for a minute, but I still consider an old friend and a good friend. A few things I've written about Sasha are linked at picturesoflily.com. In our next episode, I'm going to be talking about my off-and-on experiences with Beth Orton since the early 90s. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or Instagram or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. There's also a Pictures of Lily newsletter which goes out when each podcast episode posts with a bonus newsletter in between that you can subscribe to on picturesoflily.com. And don't forget to check out Lawrence's curated playlist on Spotify each Friday. Just search for his artist name, Regal Standard. Also, make sure to check out Understanding, his first official single as Regal Standard. She cries your name three times a day. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.